Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. So, you may have heard in our, was it like our Traveling to Seoul episode or something? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Where um, I mentioned that when I was like traveling Korea, I got like really severe food poisoning, but it was also linked to our Japan trip. And so when I got to Japan, I was full on like, not okay. And this is the story of how Japanese healthcare saved Connie. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, like my inner, like, pre-med nerd or ex-pre-med nerd Mm -hmm. is going to come out in this episode because I did so much research into Japanese healthcare to prepare for this episode. And I was like, wow, this is so interesting and admirable. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I've there's been so many conversations lately that have been centered around topics that I care about. So it's finally time for the fan favorite Connie to lead wow, a discussion. You think I'm the fan favorite. Also, plug if you haven't listened to Is Soul Really Worth Visiting? It's our episode number nine. Yes, go have a listen. <laughs> All our episodes are worth listening to. <laughs> Good. Uh, what do you even call it? Plug? No, not plug. Like, oh, endorsement. I was thinking about, you know, like, I'm Joe Biden and I approve <laughs> this message. By the time this comes out, that could be a very dark joke or a very good joke. Yes, it is currently, like, we're filming this really late. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, currently three days after the election, mm-hmm. and we are still waiting on the results. Come on, Nevada. So, all North American issues aside, <laughs> we're focusing on the magical land of Japan today and distracting ourselves from sadness. Pretty much. Start us off, Connie. I might as well just get straight into the story. I'll spare you guys the details of, like, symptoms and stuff, because who wants to know about that for food poisoning? Yum. <laughs> Yum. Ew. <laughs> but basically, I went to like two different hospitals in Japan, uh, one in Kyoto and one in Tokyo, because my condition just got worse and worse, basically. Mm-hmm. The first time we went, I just had like a really high fever. You know, I hadn't had it for so long that it was like concerning. It was just like really high. So Jenny, I decided to go in Kyoto to see a doctor. And I already was like, so in awe of the whole experience because like we go into a hospital and hospitals in Japan are like small yeah or at least the the there's like so many hospitals in Japan that like there's a lot of like smaller ones rather than the huge like what do you even call them like university hospitals or whatever mm-hmm. I think this is the part of the story where Connie was still like aware a lot of what was going on versus like the panic that set in after so yeah tell us more about this time so i remember walking into the hospital and the first thing is like oh god this is intimidating it's all japanese people and i don't speak their language that's the thing about traveling to japan like the scariest thing is it's definitely the most culture shock for native english speakers because it's like one of the only countries that just like literally doesn't feel the need to learn any english Mm mm-hmm So that was definitely a fear when we decided to go to the hospital. Yes, but they just, like, completely surprised me, providing, like, the best service. Um, At the front desk, they don't really understand you well, but as soon as they realize you speak English, they call their translator via, like, FaceTime. So they give you their iPad, and there's, like, a translator talking to you and taking out all your symptoms. It wasn't even FaceTime. It was, like, a specific medical app, right? I guess it's for patient... Yeah, patient, like, confidentiality. Uh But, yeah, it was, like, so interesting. I think there's one man at the front desk who was, like, lurking in the back. Like, he wasn't in the front desk, front desk portion. Mm -hmm. So he, he, like, spoke a little bit of English, and that's how, like, they got us the translator. Yeah. 
Exactly. I think, like, in hospitals, they definitely have, like, one or two employees that speak English just in mm-hmm. case. And, like, we're kind of lucky in that we speak English, right? Like, that's, like, the language that everyone thinks you should learn in this Colonization. world. Colonization. Yeah. So I guess that's where we're lucky. But I was still, like, shocked because I volunteered at the hospital for so long in my uni slash high school days mm-hmm. because, you know, pre-med. And we had a lot of translation issues because the time I would be manning the desk yeah. would be, like, I'd say, was it, like, 6 to 9 or, like, 7 to 10 or something like that? It was, like, kind of late. And translators would already be gone. And we went to hospital in Kyoto at, like, 8. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was still, you know, iPad connection services. It's, like, real time or, like, 24-7 service, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And I'm, like, why don't we have that? <laughs> There's, like, also phone lines you can call at our hospitals here in Canada to, like, get translation. And I'm not going to speak for all Canadian hospitals, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, those also, like, go offline at a certain time of the day. So, like... Yeah, and we're talking about, like, major cities that we live in in Canada. So I can't even imagine how bad it would be for, like, the rural areas, like, the small towns or, like, even worse, like, the reserves for the Mm -hmm. Indigenous people that we just do nothing for. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully innovations in, like, telemedicine and stuff will improve that. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, to get like less depressing again, we can continue with my depressing story. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, like maybe you're getting to this point, maybe you're not. But the Kyoto doctor that we had was like the cutest doctor I've ever met. He was so nice. Both the doctors I had in Japan were so nice. Yeah, but this guy was just a cute little old man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like he really wasn't that great at English, but he tried so hard and he kept apologizing for Mm -hmm. not being good in English. I'm like, dude, you are like so good. Like I can't speak a word of Japanese. (laughs) Actually, that's not true. I can say arigatou gozaimasu. (laughs) <laughs> wow, Connie. Wow. Flex. Anyways, so he kept apologizing. I was like, no, no, no. Like, it's already so good. Mm-hmm. And what shocked me even more is like, obviously, when you have food poisoning, it's like digestive symptoms. Mm-hmm. And he instantly got me in for this like imaging of my digestive system. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, we were in the consultation room, and then immediately it was, like, down one or two halls, and you were, like, getting scans, and I was just standing there with, like, all our stuff. Like, what? (laughs) I guess one, like, negative is, like, a lot of unnecessary radiation, because I think it was, like, an x-ray, not, like, a a non-radiation scan. (laughs) Yeah. I sound so dumb right now. But, like, obviously, like, it was really good to see. And then when I researched more into this in preparation for this episode, basically in Japan you often just get same-day CT scans, same-day MRI scans. Like, you never have long wait times, and Canada cannot relate. There's a reason why, and we learned about this in a later um, hospital we visit down this story. I think the biggest shock for me is it's surprising how affordable their hospitals are, even as foreigners. Oh, yeah. So... I remember because, like, um, since Connie wasn't feeling well, like, I did most of, like, the admin stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You're, so like, paying. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just shooting my credit and card out everywhere. Forms. Thank um, you, Jenny. And, like, I'm pretty sure that visit was only just over 100 Yeah. That's Everything crazy. Everything was, like, in the low hundreds. Like, that's actually crazy. I don't know how much it would cost in, in Canada? Canada. I searched it up, and it was, like, a tourist information site. And it's also actually, like, 100 to 600 Okay. So I think it depends on what you get. Yeah. Um, so, like, we're not bad either. But, like, obviously. meanwhile, like, you know, in other countries, like, you go to a trip to the ER and then you're, like, in, like, debt for yeah. life. America. And it's just, like, it's nice to, like, you know, when we had to encounter, like, a unexpected situation like this for food poisoning mm-hmm. and just Connie eventually not being able to enjoy Japan at all through that trip. It wasn't the case where we suddenly, like, felt also that we were just 
handing out money, even though there was like insurance and everything in your mm-hmm. home country. It's like when you first pay up, you know, you're not going to kill your bank. Account. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of reasons why Japan has made healthcare so affordable and like little things they've done to like make it so affordable. Mm-hmm. And I'll mention that in like topic two. Okay, cool. Yes. Back to the story, I guess. Um, the doctor analyzed from my imaging results and my symptoms that like I just had like gastroenteritis. Mm-hmm. And so he just gave me like what was basically the equivalent of Tylenol. So like it would be paracetamol, I think, if my memory I did grade 12 chemistry. That's the most I did. Like, we learned about it. Yes. Tylenol is paracetamol, and then Advil is ibuprofen, I think. Please don't laugh at me if I'm wrong. That sounds right. Sounds right to me. So, yeah. I think, yes, that's right, because I take ibuprofen more, (laughs) because I don't need Tylenol as much as I need period cramp cures. So, I think I take ibuprofen. Yeah. That's how you remember menstruation. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. He basically concluded that it would probably get better on its own. I just needed to take some, like, fever reduction pills in case. And then, yep, I was off to Tokyo with my fever getting worse and worse. Can I cut in another yeah. way? This is not, like, hospital sense of healthcare, but Kyoto is also super cool because we went, like, when it was already dark out. Mm-hmm. Or we went maybe when it was still bright out, but by the time we left, the hospital was dark. Yeah, I mentioned and it was, like, 8. I think it was we, around Yeah, 8. exactly. Yeah. And then we had to go get the prescription like drugs that he gave her oh, yes let's talk about the pharmacies yeah and like the pharmacies are like closed at night right like obviously um so it's like it was super weird because next to the pharmacy storefront is like a tiny door mm-hmm. which is their 24-hour service and like at first i thought it was like oh like do i just is it just like a back end of the store yeah but no you like have to go up a narrow 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 staircase staircase. and the top landing is literally like not really just it's not like like it doesn't lead anywhere other Mm -hmm. than maybe like their access door so it's like a tiny platform that i think only one of us fit on that like landing so it was probably you doing this or something and they have like a completely like gated window so you can't see anything Mm -hmm. and then they just like slip you yeah i felt like i was getting like an illegal drug deal (laughs) they just like slip you the like the pills under a slot in the window but then everything else is blocked but you can see like they have a huge like inventory Mm -hmm, system mm -hmm. back there um and i guess it's for like security sense and like maybe like also japanese people just value privacy yeah going back to like we went to Tokyo. tokyo right and my symptoms were not getting better like the tylenol or whatever you call it the paracetamol <laughs> yeah. was not suppressing my fever. It was like 39.8 like, or mm-hmm. something. It was bad. And it wouldn't go down. With a tiny thermometer I bought at a Korean convenience yeah. store. <laughs> Yo, good times. <laughs> so it's like a blur to me. Aren't you glad you have a sister yes, that I was so handles glad. crisis extremely yeah, well? <laughs> because I do not handle crisis well. I was stressed. But yeah, one night in Tokyo... I got, like, a symptom that I hadn't gotten, like, in the first few days of being sick. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to specify it because that's so weird. Well, it's blood. Okay. It was terrifying because that's not supposed to happen. Blood <laughs> is not a good sign. <laughs> that's when you know you have to go to the ER. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, okay, it's time to search for another hospital. So we went to, like, a hospital literally right next to our hotel. We went to the front desk of our hotel, and we're like, is there a hospital near here? And they're like, oh, it's, like, uh, 
30 second walk uh-huh. like by this you know the subway station you go to with that bridge yeah it's like by that and that's literally like out our front door turn mm-hmm. a corner yeah so the hospital was built right next to the hotel i was literally so lucky do you know like how much i think about how lucky i was that this happened in japan i thought we were gonna have to like navigate somewhere i know and like okay this is getting a little off topic but you know how japan has so many convenience stores mm-hmm I literally, even staying in a hotel, I could just, like, get convenient meals mm-hmm. and, like, use the hot water kettle to, like, make kanji mm-hmm. that was, like, easy for my digestive system. Like, it was such a good place to get sick Yeah, in. to go, to miss out on a vacation, <laughs> yeah. Japan. No, but, like, it's okay. Yeah. Go back. I just feel thankful. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't at home where I got super sick, then, like, I'm glad it wasn't at a location that was really hard to care for myself at. Yeah. Tokyo's another level. They, uh, yeah. uh, the doctor we had, I think, did we see him twice? Yes. Completely fluent in English. And then, Even though he also blamed himself, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm not good at English. I'm like, dude. He literally what? sounded like that. I'm sorry, I'm not yeah. good at English. <laughs> like, I speak English as well as you. And then, like, I think I went on the, when I, like, when we went back the first time, mm-hmm. I searched up the hospital, right? Just I out of curiosity. Again. And he was the owner. He's a chairman. Oh, chairman, yeah. But there's only two doctors. Like, that's the thing. I already mentioned that. Japanese hospitals are small, Mm -hmm. but basically, um, hospitals in Japan, like, there's so many of them. I think in Tokyo, I saw that there's, like, 600 plus. That's the thing I wanted to touch on. Uh Uh-huh. Like, how we're saying how you can get same-day CT scans, MRI scans, x-rays. I don't know if you can talk about this if you wanted to. You're going into it. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, it makes it super convenient because we didn't have to wait that long. Mm -hmm. It's small. Um, So there's not really any inpatient care, I don't think. Like, they don't have any beds. So... That was my biggest takeaway because I think I was speaking to like the doctor on the side at one point mm-hmm. or something when you were like getting your IV <laughs> drip. <laughs> and then we were talking about like how um, we were flying out. This was the second time. I'm not sure if I'm skipping over your points, but the second time we visited, we were talking about how like our flight was in two days. Yeah. And he was basically saying like, oh, you can if you want, like you should stay at a hospital and like kind of wait it out. Yes. Or you can like fly back and try to figure it out. And then he was basically explaining that if you wanted to, like, stay in the hospital overnight, then he would have to transfer us to the downtown hospital. So then that's why I was saying how, like, MRIs and CTs and x-rays are so fast because... Basically, he was explaining to me that Japan has a satellite hospital system, which is... Oh, he explained this to you? Yeah, it's so cool. Like, he was just saying that, like, they have smaller hospitals Mm -hmm. kind of, like, um, within neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got, like, all all our visits, even in Kyoto. And then they'll have major centers for, like, um, more, like, extreme cases or probably for Mm -hmm. more, like, um, specialists and, Mm -hmm. like, what did you call it? In-care? Inpatient care. Inpatient care. Um, So that way, like, when you're just looking for food poisoning help or, like, um, you know, like, flu or something, then you can literally just, like, walk down your street. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get more into this in the second topic. But, Mm -hmm. like, basically, also, there's no such thing as, like, general practitioners in Japan. Like, Mm -hmm. you can just go to... We went to, like, an internal medicine hospital. So they, like, basically take anything, Mm -hmm. like, food poisoning. You know what I mean? But it's really convenient because you can just choose, like, oh, I have eye issues. So I'll just go see an eye doctor. Wow. We're just so jealous right now. (laughs) But, um... What was I saying? Yeah. So this doctor was so nice. Like Jenny mentioned, he like literally talked to her about all this. <laughs> but he basically at first thought I should stay at a big hospital mm-hmm. because like obviously my symptoms were not great. Mm-hmm. Like he gave me initial antibiotics via IV drip that already made me feel like better. But he still felt it was safer. But then we were like explaining that we had a flight soon. It's like, oh, I don't want to be stuck in a hospital where I don't know the language and I want to go home. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay. He was so like 
understanding. Understanding and also, like, held himself so responsible because he's like, you better come back the next day. Was it, like, two times I had to go back or once? I don't even remember I think it was once. But, like, he wanted to check to see, like, I wasn't dying. (laughs) Um, And he gave me, like, very specific instructions because, like, our hotel was nearby. So he's like, yeah, you can stay in the hotel, but make sure blah, blah, blah. And, like, I guess the good part was, like, I could hold food down. Like, I wasn't vomiting. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I was getting really dehydrated. So that was, like, a plus. And... He had already written a letter to the hostel if I wanted. And, like, he wrote the most detailed letter to my family doctor back in Canada (laughs) explaining what the heck happened and my whole blood test results and, like, everything. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. This is meticulous work. Yeah. I do find that Asia as a whole is pretty careful about medicine prescription, Mm -hmm. even when it's, like, herbal or Chinese medicine. Yeah. Because I know one of our friends had to get treated in China. Mm-hmm. And in China, they do, like, East and West medicine simultaneously. Yeah. And when she came back to, like, our university, she had, like, the full list of, like, crazy herbal medicine. Because they mix, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. they mix so much to target different systems in your body. Um, and, like, she brought that whole list to our school clinic um, in I university. And they looked at it and they are like, I have no idea what this is. I'm not even going to look at it. And it's like, we put... We put so much effort in making Dude. sure that you were be able, to, we, you would be able to make a intelligent <laughs> prescription or diagnose, diagnosis, <laughs> yeah. and you just negated the whole form. I think it's really nice to see how there's like healthcare systems that put a lot of accountability on like the drugs they're prescribing you to. Because mm-hmm. honestly, like I've heard of so many mistakes here. Definitely, like a lot of medical mistakes. Like that's understandable, but there's a lot of reason why quality might be better in other countries and i'm gonna get into it Mm -hmm. actually i did research on why wow actually like i think like this is a good time to move on like i basically explained the story yeah she just ended up with an iv drip (laughs) yeah i got like antibiotics to take for like a week or two Mm -hmm. and that solved the issue because bless this doctor (laughs) yeah overall like great experience it was a great i've never had um, such a nice doctor can i say that there's a term called medical tourism uh-huh. And people do that mostly in, like, Thailand, uh-huh. right? Because yeah. it's, like, so cheap there. So you can get your surgeries done or you can get your plastic surgery done. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people choose to go there for, like, treatment when they can't afford in their own countries. Yeah. But then we basically unintentionally went on a medical tourist trip of Japan, and it was great. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I experienced it now that I'm okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now you know in the future when we do, like, a, is it really worth visiting Tokyo or is it really worth visiting Kyoto? You'll know we're referring to our second trip and not this one. Yeah, because we did nothing this trip. Yeah. I went I'm sorry on one I day. your trip, Jenny. I remember one day because, like, we were we went with Connie's friends. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of, like, let them go because that's, like, you don't want to ruin, yeah, like, a whole like, group's I'm not trip. Ruin, like, three other people's mm-hmm. trip. So I remember just one day that, um, I went out myself and that was my first time solo like traveling in a foreign country mm-hmm. and it was so interesting. I went to what's the temple? Asaksa? Yeah. Yeah, I went there and I was just like chilling with like the Buddhists, you know? And I was <laughs> like, Yeah, this is so fun. And actually your friend came with us once to the hospital, which is really nice. Yeah. So. Thank you, Dennis. Shout out. Thanks. He kept me company when we were just waiting for Connie's drip. <laughs> I think all my friends are like, what the hell happened? Because no one else got sick. Yeah. I think it's also, like, pretty common to get sick overseas. Like, even though you don't want it to happen, and obviously most of the times you travel, like, it'll be fine. But Mm -hmm. I think because, like, viruses and bacteria differ so much around the world, probably, Mm -hmm. and you're just not used, like, very immune to... Man, Asian parents would shake their head at you. You know how Asian, so you know how Asian parents I'm are always like frail person. Okay? Like I feel like a lot of Asian parents are always like, obviously not ours, but mm-hmm. I do hear some like 
what do you even call them? Aunties and uncles yeah. who just go, oh, like, you North American children, so clean, so, like, <laughs> vulnerable, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's basically what happened. And, like, it was freaking OECD countries we went to, mm-hmm. so I still suspect the plane. So, yeah, one choice was, like, the, the side dishes in Korea because they're raw uh-huh. or, like, they're cold, so they're not very, like... You don't know how well they can keep the sanitation. And then the other theory is that we flew on a plane and we don't always eat the food, but we don't like wasting food. Or I don't like wasting (laughs) food. So Connie knows, like, whenever she can't eat something on the plane, like, I'll, like, take it from her. If it's, like, a take-away-able thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We had, like, little buns, like those dinner rolls they give you that are dry and disgusting. But I was like, who knows? Maybe we'll eat it. Two days. Two days off the plane and it was a green moldy lump. I was like, oh, and I ate that thing. (laughs) Like I not not that moldy one, but I ate it on the plane, and I was like, how close? They probably serve two, like you know, um, and it was just like thinking how close to expire did we did we eat those breads? And like I just the whole thing's sketchy to me now. Yeah, it could just be the plane and our sketchy North American airline food. Mm. (laughs) Oh no. Okay, so on to topic two. I kind of want to talk about the Japanese healthcare system here sure. more in depth and, like, kind of compare it to Canada's. Sure. Because that's the only one I've had experience with, right? I Yeah, they're kind of similar in the sense of social goods and, like, yeah. uh, what do you even call it? Like, it's a social good, right? Like, mm-hmm. free healthcare. Is there free healthcare in Japan? I'll explain that. Okay, cool. So it technically is, like, a public healthcare system where, like, the government limits how much you can spend. So basically all medical costs in japan you only have to pay normally like 30 percent of it okay um because everyone has like insurance it's like Mm -hmm. a mandatory insurance thing but then they adjust it based on like your age so if you're older i think there's like a only 10 percent that you have to pay Mm -hmm. what about like pre-existing conditions so there's a lot of conditions that allow you to stay at the hospital or or that force you to stay at the hospital for a long time or like you know always consume a lot of like expensive medical goods yeah so they always have to cap a monthly cost that you can pay okay yeah so that's how it works and like there's a lot of public hospitals in japan but one like really cool part is that there's also a lot of private hospitals mm-hmm. that um like if you think about it it's good to have public health care obviously like i'm so thankful in canada we don't even have to pay anything yeah. right um to see a doctor but in Japan, like, you can use private healthcare as, like, kind of a supplement. Mm-hmm. And also, it provides, like, incentive for these hospitals or, like, clinics to kind of compete with each other. So that's what really, like, brings up quality of care because uh... you want, like, people to go to your hospital. Yeah. Another thing Japan has done that kind of increases quality of care is that, like, specialists, a lot of them get put on a salary. Rather, in Canada, like, even family doctors, sometimes it's, like, a... What do you call it? Wait, like I wrote it down. A rate, right? Like the amount of patients you see? Yes, exactly. It's called... There's a term for this. I actually saw this on the U of T website. Shout out, U of T. You guys rejected me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I still use you guys as a source. Wow. We love our mature medical queen. Information. No, I actually like no hard feelings. I would not have suited being a doctor, to be honest. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's called the fee for service. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you think that that's applied intentionally here? One, to like of course, benefit the doctors and, like, mm-hmm. the work they're doing. But two is also family doctor-wise, public health care-wise, um, kind of, like, get through more traffic. Exactly. Um, that's a good thing, especially here when we have less, like, hospitals. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, I think they kind of believe that if you don't have a fee-for-service, too, like, doctors would be less inclined to, like, spend way too much time on a useless, yes. like, or less severe issue. 
Okay. Like, they'll kind of have to determine what's more worth their time, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's, like, a kind of smart way of going about it. The thing that does come up with private hospitals, though, is, like, always a big issue. And, like, I can only speak on behalf of Asian countries because those are the cultures that I'm more more oriented towards. But I'm sure it's, like, a matter in other (laughs) continents. Actually, yeah, like, I would say there is room for bribery Mm -hmm. if you're going to an insane, like, an unethical... um, Hospital, and I know China does struggle with that, like quite a <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, but I think the good side is also that it's kind of like America, you know, mm-hmm. where if you go to like a really good private hospital, then like the rich can still get the service they want. Yeah. Um, without like impeding weirdly on like mm-hmm. the rest of the people, mm-hmm. because I can't imagine what it would be like if um someone went to like a hospital here in Canada. And then, like, you're already, like, the person's probably already feeling kind of, like, bad because they have to, like, maybe stay overnight mm-hmm. or they have some, like, actual severe, like, illness. Um, and then, like, some billionaire walks in and just, like, steps all over you, too. Okay. This is a cool thing to bring up. And it's bringing me back memories. Okay. <laughs> when I volunteered in, like, the intensive care unit at a hospital mm-hmm. here in Canada, I basically manned the desk there. And I've had an experience, like, overhearing this really, like vicious conversation <laughs> and like I'm not gonna blame them because obviously anyone visiting people at the intensive care unit yeah of course they're not gonna be in a good mood and it's understandable if you freak out but she was basically saying that they were like so rich why couldn't they pay to like get their surgery before another person like blah blah mm-hmm. blah and like I get that you're it's so tragic that your family member probably needs help really quick but I also was like thank god we have a system yeah where they can't just push their way ahead of other people and, like, think they're That's more true. important. That's true. That kind of negates my point of private... But, like... Wait, what? No, how because I was saying how private hospitals are good because it, like, keeps... Like, I guess the rich people get the service they want without being all, like, oh, aggressive. Oh, but also, uh, that only works if you have enough capacity for the public mm-hmm. health care. Yeah. I think the fact that Tokyo alone has, like, 600-something hospitals just shows yeah. that, like, anyone can get the care they need. And if you're rich and really want like better care mm-hmm. you can still get that and that's yeah. fine like wasn't there that i can't remember which celebrity people were saying in the u.s that like she was gonna give birth so she like insisted that the whole maternity ward had about, to be uh, beyonce oh <laughs> yeah. i don't Sorry. know how true it is. i cannot insult the <laughs> the queen of like many many people but yeah like basically people can do whatever they want in america to be honest yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel blessed I don't have to live there <laughs> from a healthcare standpoint. Yeah. So, going back to, like, how Japan kind of, like, kept their healthcare costs low. Mm-hmm. Like Jenny mentioned when we went, like, it wasn't expensive to see a doctor. Not that bad. No, not at all. One thing that the government does do, I think they, like, control a lot of things. So, like, maybe doctors don't get paid that much. But, like, I think in Canada, they also try to limit that a bit. Okay. It's just sad because, like, the road to becoming a doctor is so tough, right? So that I believe, like, they should be paid a lot. Mm-hmm. And they take, like, the top students. But I also, like, think that there's, like, a balance to be achieved. Yeah. Because, honestly, like, in order to provide more widespread medical services you definitely need to have more doctors and to have more doctors you need to pay them less yeah but like see i don't have a particular standpoint here because that's like just a conundrum Mm -hmm. no i i get Uh, it there's no (laughs) way to make a perfect system (laughs) i do think like uh there are obvious flaws to canada's system that Mm. like most of us in canada know pretty well 
um, because I think we just haven't properly managed expectations for doctors. Like, I think that there's so much, and this goes back into the uh, episode about Connie's, like, pre-med experiences, Mm -hmm. but there's so much, like, expectation and, like, elitism created towards going to med school um, and, like, elitism around that whole career as a whole, right? And I think that my friends or, like, anyone I know that's gone to med school, it's, like, incredible. Like, I would never be able to choose that path. Uh-huh. Um, but I also think, like, is there ways that they could have made that path less mental health damaging and, like, insanely crazy for it to justify, like, the people who do end up coming out of med school and, like, learning a, earning a lower salary depending on what kind of practitioner they become? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, because I think the worst fear, and this sounds like maybe it's offensive to, like, certain people, but, like, before you went into med school, if you're listening as a doctor that I'm about to target... I think a lot of pre-meds I knew, their worst fear going to med school was that they would come out and become a family doctor. That's everyone. Because it's, like, low-paying, like, you're not dealing with crazy issues. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, you're just, like, the step between a patient and the specialist if they need help. And that's, like, so important to the system. But because of the way they've created this elite culture, people don't want Yeah, they want to strive for, like, the best specialist position, right? Yeah. That is true. Yeah. People are, like, so misinformed about that, though, I think. Like, or it's just their, like, ego, I guess. But family doctors get paid a decent amount. And, like, it's so important. We lack so many general practitioners here. There's, like, none. (laughs) No more family doctors. Yo, speaking about general practitioners, I just said yo. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you didn't get into med school. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Nah, it's okay. This doesn't hurt me at all anymore. (laughs) I think it's important here, I guess, based on the way our system is mapped out. But in Japan, I, like... And, like, in other Asian countries, they don't have those general practitioners. Mm -hmm. And you just choose on your own, like, what specialist you want to see. Yeah. And that's, once again, because there's so many doctors you can see in those places, in those big cities. And I wish we had that here because it takes me, like, months to get referred to a specialist. Yeah. And, like, a lot of conditions can just, like... Like, worsen or, like, accelerate. Yeah. You just, like, don't get care fast enough sometimes. Yeah. And, like, it can progress to a point where like oh it's not as easy to treat i'm pretty sure every case where people would need like a scan of some sort that is like probably not an x-ray like not including x-rays um everyone i've heard of that has needed those scans just like sit there waiting for months literally unless like unless there's something terrible like unless you faint and like get brought into the er yeah um yeah that's like a I guess, a flaw in our medical care system that, like, Japan has found a way to work around. But, like, it's still different because I guess their people are still paying some amount. Yeah, and I will say that um, in a general sense, since Canada is, like, a first world country, like, a developed country, we do have, like, the privilege of, like, some people in our population. Like, so I won't, I don't want to speak on behalf of, like, long wait times, blah, 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 like, complaint, because that really only impacts, like, the lower income mm-hmm. families because mm-hmm. I know like for a lot of like mid to high income families in Canada if you really do have like something severe people will often just go to the U.S. Yeah. you know and you can get yeah. like the private health care there mm-hmm. that's why there's never like a balance in the system yeah because meanwhile like the people who don't have that privilege are still stuck like sitting there and like waiting and thinking about not getting the MRI yeah. <laughs> that they need I guess it's, like, it's really hard, right? Like, with politics and any other, like, system we have. Just trying to balance an entire country. Yeah, Yeah. like, there's nothing you can make perfect, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, going back to why Japan medical care costs are low too, the country is actually doing a lot since like 2004, 2006, I forget the exact year, to make sure that most of the prescription medications they have are generic rather than brand names. Okay. So if you're not familiar with like that terminology, basically what that means is like, we can bring back the Tylenol yeah. um, example. So Tylenol is like a brand name and it's usually like more expensive. Mm-hmm. But then you also just have the chemical itself yeah. called um, paracetamol yes. or acetaminophen and that itself is usually cheaper because it's not like associated with a brand Mm -hmm. so japan just tries to sell only like generic drugs so i'm guessing like what happens is watch me flaunt my knowledge with you connie i'm guessing what happens is like when a drug company like comes out with the first version of that kind of drug ever and they have that like periodic yeah like ownership over it then they have to give that right but I'm as soon so as it times up you. thank you, you figured this out yes yeah so that and as, as soon as it times out i guess japan's just like bye yeah um <laughs> so basically when any drug is made usually the first person who discovers it or like manages to get it out is the brand name the drug. science world is the patent and copyright yes. world <laughs> and then like, oh God, we're getting into the pharma industry. So I took a course on the pharma industry before, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there that like sometimes isn't the best. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. Because people will do a lot to try to keep their patents. Yeah. Um, because you have to renew it after a while. And like if you don't successfully like renew it, then like other generic drugs are gonna come and like, you know, I'm guessing you're, you have to... you're gonna lose a lot of value. Yeah, I'm guessing you have to come up with an extremely well built case on why your company deserves like the only rights over that yeah. drug and most of the time the like i'm guessing like the associations the government or whatever are just like no it's a public good like um you know? actually so a lot of ways they work around is like they'll change the like form the drug is in they'll be like yes we'll make it into like a liquid that people can eat instead so that it's easier for them to take but oftentimes that decreases like the efficacy of a drug wait so then this is way too detailed. Never mind. I won't ask this on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, I don't know if my example is totally right either. It's been like a while since I took this course, but something like that that will like change little things about the drugs that aren't actually beneficial for like its efficacy. And then they s- efficacy or efficiency. Efficacy. Efficacy. Yeah. But then they don't have to give up the other for- formula, like the solid form, or like. Well, okay. Anyway, Let's not who get cares? Into this. this is. <laughs> I learned about this through like I think business law. Anyways, um, yeah. So yeah. That's cool. Too much for me, but that's good for Japan. I agree with that move. Why mm-hmm. am I still eating Advil? I actually I should... think the tunnel we have at home is just paracetamol. Yeah, because that's from Costco. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe I need to take a a stand against Advil. Yeah, like quick tip: if you have a prescription, go to the pharmacy. You can always ask for the generic version if you want to save money. Mm-hmm. In fact, some pharmacists like automatically offer it to you. Like, would you rather get the generic version for this amount of money? Yeah. And honestly, it's the same stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think like that pretty much is most of the points I want to say. I guess a cool fact to end this section off with is that the Japanese population has the longest life expectancy among all OECD countries, while their healthcare expenditure as a share of like GDP is below most of the developed countries in OECD. Oh, so they're bad. obviously doing something right, you know? Yeah. And it's cool to experience it firsthand. I think for sure there's other like causes behind this, a lot behind the collectivist society, um, a lot behind like country priorities, Mm -hmm. right? So like this is one case where I'm not intentionally trashing on people because I do think like the American identity relies a lot on like personal freedom and like the right to like protect themselves. And that's why like the U.S. does have funding and lobbyists in weaponry Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like military stuff. And then I think with Canada, like healthcare 
does take up a large portion, but there's also a lot of other social care that, like, they dedicate their funds towards, too, and that's where a lot of, like, our priorities are, Mm -hmm. versus, like, I would debate that perhaps, like, in Japan, maybe, like, people who are homeless or, like, people who, like, need more social benefits from other situations might not be getting as much Mm -hmm. because they have, like, that collectivist society view but they also have the view that like your problems are kind of like your own problems and like it's like honorable to face it head on you know (laughs) like I think I saw a video on the internet once that like the Japanese okay so in Asia the homeless people are largely the older population because of the rate the economy grew in and like the young people just like left them behind and I saw like a video where it was like basically at the start of the days the homeless people can go to like a location and they get like two onigris Mm -hmm. and then that's like their Mm-hmm. Um, rations for the day and that's like two rice balls right yeah. like it's not great other like but i guess they like will collect plastic and stuff and yeah they yeah. Like, try to like earn lo- uh, some money here and there yeah it's just rough man. i think canada's country structure is just spread so thin mm-hmm. that like our approach to problems is that we'll touch on each problem a little bit but not touch on any of them fully okay that's, <laughs> that's a good way to segue into actually like a question that i want to ask you to okay. end this off with so one of the primary complaints that you always hear about the canadian healthcare system is that oh drugs aren't covered mm-hmm. dentists aren't covered yeah but japan has all this covered yet um you still have to pay 30 percent of everything mm-hmm. right so what do you think you would prefer Good question. Um, I think I'm speaking from a privileged standpoint because, like, uh, we've always had, like, insurance. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know how much these drugs can cost when they're, like, yeah. a long-term thing. Yeah. But for me, like, I like how the healthcare or, like, hospitals and, like, doctors are covered mm-hmm. because those are, like, much more important, I think, to get, like, annual checkups and, like, yeah. to get the occasional specialist um, versus you're kind of gambling on, like, whether or not, you know, like, I don't dentists don't hate me but i think if you floss and you brush your teeth you might be okay you know (laughs) for now until you age exactly so yeah like i'm okay with the way it is right now but i also think that i choose in a heartbeat like drugs over dental because we're kind of reaching baby boomer era and i know there's like a joke in our generation of like oh okay boomer like you know and like people who are for like Climate sustainability yeah. and like, climate change are kind of just like waiting. Like they joke about just waiting until yeah. you know, or like the COVID, like yeah. with COVID, they're like, oh, it's killing off yeah. the boomers. Oh, um, no. And like, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't yeah. think that's fair. Like, it's like the whole idea of how society has been contributing to these like funds and like through mm-hmm. taxes, um, some less than others. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. Like, I think growing up with like, if they've always been in a country with free healthcare then I wish, like, even with the crazy influx of boomers that are aging now, like, I want to make sure that we don't fail. And that's, like, one of the actual worries of the Canadian government right now, right? Yeah. It's, like, nobody knows how we're going to manage healthcare mm-hmm. when the population just ages. But Japan should have a very old population, I think. Yeah, at so least they get 10%. They, like, yeah. uh, at least they only have to pay 10%. Yeah, I think that's why they're... So maybe I do want one a little bit of everything mm-hmm. because Japan is the prime example of like having no young people and no babies and like they still have good health care. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty jealous. Um, same here, though, because I feel like I'm in a privileged standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like Jenny said, like we have insurance through our jobs and before that, like through our parents' jobs. Mm-hmm. So like I've never felt like I had to pay much for dental stuff. But I did learn in school and, like, also by 
paying for some of my I remember paying once for a prescription medication prior to like my work insurance coming in. Uh-huh. There's like a weird little like when I just started my job, there's like yeah. a weird little time frame there and it was so much more expensive than I thought. There's like drugs out there that are like hundreds or thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of sad that yes, our checkups are free, but like really really expensive medical products that are literally needed for some people to like live. Yeah. Cost so much. What I would rather have, mm-hmm. my ideal system here. We're going wild, okay? <laughs> my ideal system here is that through the next like some sort of crazy population survey or something. Mm-hmm. Figure out like if you had $1000 and you like had to raise a family and so and so and so and so and then you had to go to the hospital for like you knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Which of these conditions would it like stress you out if you like couldn't go cuz I think that's a big deal here, right? Yeah, on if sure. you start charging for healthcare, then people would rather like die than mm-hmm. go to the hospital and yeah. like go into debt. So if I want an annual checkup, I don't mind paying for it mm-hmm. versus if someone else needs like an MRI yeah, because like, oh. you know, they are losing their vision. Uh-huh. Please give that to them. Yeah. Or like if I wanted a prescription topical cream for like a dry spot on my back, I'll pay for it. Yeah. But like if someone literally needs insulin, like just yeah. give it to them. That's a really good point. Yeah, it should be, like, life-threatening, non-life-threatening, mm-hmm. and then evaluate. It's sad that, like, in America, because, like, it costs so much to see a doctor, so many people just don't go to the hospital yeah. when they have life-threatening issues. And I guess it's, you're right, here in Canada, no one ever has to fear mm-hmm. going to the hospital, at least. Yeah. Like, treatment can be a later problem, but at least someone will help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And then if you, like, made those services paid, like, just general checkups and, like, small things, mm-hmm. wouldn't that reduce the traffic? Yeah, and I'm also thinking, like, if we get more generic drugs up in here, like, it's really, like, a government initiative that needs to happen mm-hmm. to reduce the expenses of prescription medication here in Canada. Yeah. But it's, like, a slow process. I think it took Japan a few years, and they're still in the middle of it. Like, of course, they still have a lot of brand name drugs there, but, like... It's like a it would be yeah, it'd be terrible for the reputation of your whole country if you just kicked out all those companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's definitely no like, mm-hmm. they're not like perfect, but yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Connie, for sharing the experience on how the Japanese healthcare system <laughs> saved your digestive system. <laughs> Very important. I don't want to exaggerate, but it was scary. For also, my I think mentality-wise, it was nice to have an understandable and very user experience-friendly interaction yeah. with the hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the the good service they provide in Japan really, like, set you at ease. We didn't feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, as soon as I stepped into the hospital, I felt way less worried because everyone's so warm. Yeah. Maybe we got lucky, but maybe that's also, like, just the quality service they provide Mm -hmm. in Japan. Next time you go to Tokyo, you can go bring them a little... Like, bring him flowers. (laughs) Thank you for saving me. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Thanks, Connie. What's your recommendation for this week? Somehow we always time our subjects onto our recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. It's always one person talking a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think we have, like, a good... You have a lot of good input, too. Yeah, I just don't like talking sometimes, so... Well, I'm glad you got a little bit of a break, because usually you talk more than me, because I'm more, like, quiet. Yeah. Um, My recommendation this week is a book. We've been wanting to recommend this for a while. It just somehow never happened until now. We read this in our book club, uh-huh. like, a few months ago. And it's called Kim Ji-young, born 1982. It's a Korean novel. Not to be dramatic, but everyone needs to read this book in their lifetime. (laughs) Yeah, totally agreed. Like, it was life-changing. 
Um, and some of you might be thinking, hey, that sounds familiar. Yes, it is the book that a lot of female idols got flamed by <laughs> Korea for. Like, Korean men were like, I can't believe she's a feminist. And then a lot of Korean men idols read it and then got, like, raised to a higher level of, mm-hmm. like, godliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Double standards. <laughs> But yeah, it just recently got translated into English, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, when we started reading it, it literally just came out, the yeah. translated version. It's in a lot of libraries, though. Okay, like that's e- good. Like, e-book libraries. E-book yeah. libraries. So it's accessible. And one criticism I've heard of this book is that it's kind of, like, bland. Like, it's just everyday life. It's written very... What do you say? Not plain, but, like, direct. Like, yeah. they'll write the sentence as it is. Yeah. I did this. And it's just, like, a recounting of a woman's life. Yeah. So at first, you might not find it, like, you know exhilarating to read but the process is so emotional it makes you think of all the little things women have to deal with in our daily lives mm-hmm. especially in like an asian setting because like i guess i couldn't relate to some of the more um, asian or korean and collectivist aspects of it yeah but a lot of it is obviously universal and that's what makes it so life-changing like you start realizing the little details in your life that really like why did you have to deal with such a setback like you might think it was normal at the time but mm-hmm. now thinking back it's like i didn't deserve to go through that i'd also recommend this to everyone who's not like female too <laughs> yeah because agreed. i think that with the north american narrative about feminism mm-hmm. there's like a lot of talk about sexual harassment sexual mm-hmm. assault Maybe, like, not being able to be a CEO of, like, a giant company. Like, yeah, that's how, like the glass ceiling. Yeah, that's how, like, our Netflix shows are portraying feminism. Mm-hmm. And I think it could be harder for some of you who are not female to, like, wrap your head around that perspective of the world. Yeah. Um, but this book talks about, like, literally just, like, her taking the bus home from work, mm-hmm. her at school, and, like, all, like, such daily activities that literally all of us were present for, yeah. female or not. And it helps you, like, see that I was sitting on that bus, too, and I wasn't the th- thinking the same thing as, that, like, a girl would be, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, very eye-opening. Yeah. I think it's much more digestible if you're, like, not fully aligned on the idea of what female, like, feminism and, yeah. like, equal gender mm-hmm. rights is. Totally agreed. I guess there's really no need for an explanation of the plot because it's literally about her life. Yeah. I think it's specifically a good book for someone in our age range right now, like, in your 20s. Because um, it really makes you think about women and their careers and also motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I hope it makes you all appreciate your mothers a bit more, too. Yeah. It's just, like, all really little milestones of your life that are just normal to go through. But it brings a really different perspective to it. I like, really think it's for a like, graduating university and older. Mm-hmm. Because I think before that, it's, like, best to keep your rose-colored glasses on. Yeah. And, like, not have to deal with it. But right at the start of your career, you need to start, like considering where you need to defend yourself more um this is for like the women of course that like are listening and also i think it's important to share this book with your moms too Mm -hmm. because even though they've passed through so many of these milestones i don't think it's ever too late for them to change like how they view themselves and then like start asking or start moving towards knowing that they deserve better and it's like never too late to ask for more Mm -hmm. from life Jenny's very enthusiastic about my recommendation as well. (laughs) So we both endorse this heavily. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that's good. We're going to wrap things up here, Connie, with the closing. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
While you're at it, we would also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at the Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!